I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to Rebel Wellness, your new go-to podcast for redefining your health and well-being. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales. I'm stoked to have you with us. You just joined a community of amazing souls who are ready to break free from the confines of the often outdated and confusing health advice all around us. In a world overwhelmed by quick fix diets and unrealistic beauty and body standards, us rebels stand for change. If you're like me, you're exhausted with the confusion and polarization just plaguing the social media health scene. My mission is to empower you to step beyond today's diet culture and adopt a holistic health approach paired with the foundations of science for lasting well-rounded wellness. Through teaching you how to tune in and embrace your mind, body, and soul, we'll reject one-size-fits-all solutions, realigning you on a better path that honors your unique needs and values. With new episodes weekly, this podcast is your new sanctuary for deep wellness exploration, featuring expert advice, real-life stories, and a true commitment to your growth. Your journey to better health and simplicity in life begins now. Let's jump right in. What's up, Rebel? Welcome back. We are kicking off season two of Rebel Wellness 2024 with a really great hot take on a popular topic that I have been getting asked about for years, (laughs) but honestly, probably more for last year, dominantly. But it's definitely been around for a little while now. I've had my eye on them. I've been observing. I've even done some of it myself. So I am kind of packaging all of that into a little nice treat for you today in my hot take on continuous glucose monitors. So this episode today is going to be kind of one of those times, as always, if you're new to the podcast, by the way, hello, so glad you're joining us at the beginning of season two. I think you will really enjoy a lot of the different episodes from season one last year. So I hope you scroll through and see if anything catches your eye. There's lots of great stuff on there. But with that said, if you haven't listened to my podcast before, I usually like to present you guys a lot of different information, some of my perspective and my thoughts. And then I want you to kind of think for yourself on how you perceive that topic overall at the end, because it's not one size fits all. I mean, you guys hear that in the friggin' intro that I really want to make sure that you know that like so many things are not quite as black and white as they make them. And as more and more knowledge and science uh, changes and grows, we are really like, okay, (laughs) this is a gray area. I would say, honestly, I'm like the gray area girly. Like there is so much that as I learn and the science behind fitness, nutrition, health in general, it's like, okay, yeah, well, this is really great because this could work for these people. This could work really well for these people. This could really suck for these people. And this would just be completely not good for these people. (laughs) So I just want to kind of like talk about that for a moment because I think it's really important that you understand where I come from as we approach these things, because there's a lot of ways that continuous glucose monitors can absolutely help people. And then there's ways where it just might be kind of not that helpful in general. So I'm going to give you all of my thoughts and some of the best takeaways of how you might want to approach it. If you are somebody who's using a CGM and is not diabetic and or if you are somebody who's considering it, I hope that you can get a better idea and decision for yourself after listening to today's episode. And I do also want to say that this episode is dominantly about continuous glucose monitors for non-diabetics. This is not 
for people who are diabetics because especially type 1 diabetics, they're usually the ones you'll see with CGMs. I'm going to be referencing them as CGMs. You may have seen them on social media, CGMs. That is what continuous glucose monitor means. And so I do want to set the table though, initially making sure that you understand that this is not in reference to a diabetic person. This is strictly for just your day-to-day or maybe somebody who's getting into that pre-diabetic zone and wants to use this as a tool to help themselves maybe never get into diabetic zone, which is great. More on that in a moment. But do also know as I approach this topic, I am not a doctor. This is not medical advice, especially when we're talking about using a CGM as for non-specific medical reasons, but I do want to make sure that you know that, all right? So let's get into today's topic. Whatever questions come up for you, I'd love for you to reach out to me on at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram or at Kaylee Loren. And if you missed it, if you did not listen to our intermission episode, we are running for the whole month of February a giveaway for all listeners who share in their stories on Instagram a screenshot of your favorite Rebel Wellness episode and share it with your friends. Make sure you tag us at Rebel Wellness Podcast and uh, so that I can see it. Make sure that I can see it. <laughs> and uh, you may be entered in to win a $75 Amazon gift card and a CBK swag hat, which if you don't know CBK is, CBK is my health and wellness coaching brand, Coach by Kales. I have been shifting and kind of rebranding away from just Coach by Kales. So a lot of my writer dies know me as CBK, especially a lot of my clients and past clients and friends. But now I just refer to like the clothing line that comes from that, the CBK, just a little bit of background so you can get to know me a little bit better. But we already have several people who have reshared some stuff. So there's some names in the hat, but there's currently not a ton yet because I still haven't, you know, talked about it a ton, especially since the podcast has been on a little intermission. So if you are somebody who is new to the podcast, come follow us on our Instagram and make sure if you have an episode you love, share it and you could win $75 to Amazon. Okay. Anyways, that is the giveaway of the month. Thought that's important for you to know, speaking of all of that, but without further ado, let's get into this episode. Okay, so the most common questions that I usually get is, should I be using a CGM? Is a CGM worth it? Is it worth the money? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> a lot of times people will say, isn't CGMs useless? And isn't it bad because diabetics need them? Yes, but there's a lot of companies that make them and they're not all coming from the same companies all the time, especially the ones that are marketed towards non-diabetics. So it's not really like the Ozempic conversation where there are literal shortages of Ozempic because a bunch of people who are non-diabetics are taking it for weight loss. That's a different conversation. (laughs) Definitely go check out the Ozempic episode if you have Ozempic questions. I'm thinking about doing a follow-up episode about like where things have gone since then because I did that episode, I think like roughly a half a year now ago. And there's a lot more black label things that have been added to the medication. And then there's a lot more perspectives that I've developed over the last half year as more and more and more people are using it. So if you guys would love for me to do another follow-up on Ozempic, who I think it actually is good for, where I've actually seen it firsthand with some clients, be good or bad. And talking more about the black label stuff, I just let me know, you know, shoot me a message or maybe I'll put up a poll and you guys can let me know there. But in response to CGMs, if you don't know what they are, essentially 
they are going to be kind of a continuous monitor that is placed somewhere, usually on your upper arm or so, that helps the body measure and report glucose fluctuations in your bloodstream. So it's like real time how much blood sugar is in your blood at the moment. You can usually see them looking kind of like a circle up that almost looks kind of like a nicotine patch, something like that. And it's almost always on somebody's upper arm. Some people attach it to different places if they have a lot of rubbing or whatnot there, but usually you will see it in somebody's arm. And like I mentioned before, it's developed for type 1 and type 2 diabetics who need to identify blood sugar swings before they cause like significant problems like hyperglycemia or hypoglycemia. So AKA low, low, low blood sugar or super high blood sugar, which both of those scenarios for diabetics can be life-threatening. But for people without diabetes, we're usually seeing it because people claim CGMs are biohacking tools. So they essentially are looking at it as a way to gather and use data to help them gain, you know, a better edge for the quest of optimal wellness, which honestly, guys, kind of gets a little exhausting. Like I'm all for your best wellness possible but i think that like i don't know if you're like me on this topic but like i just want to be like my best health and prioritize myself and do the best i can but i don't need to like be taking cold plunges every day and wrapping myself in an infrared blanket every night and drinking crazy weird cocktails of wellness junk and you know like I'll try the things like I'll for sure taste them or do them like I've done cold plunges I've done whole body cryotherapy I've done infrared beds you know all that kind of jazz and I love me an infrared sauna don't get me wrong that's gonna go into my garage one day when I have enough money uh saved up it's like a slow little treat that my fiance and I are working on saving for but with all of those things aside I really don't, I don't think that it's necessary to do crazy biohacking stuff all the time because it's definitely not necessary to have good health, but a lot of people just want like the most optimal health possible. And I've like honestly really seen a lot of those people be a little bit too, I'm not going to say like psychotic, but like just too hyper-controlled over something that may not actually be attainable depending on their lifestyle, their work, their exposures, you know their internal health that they got from their mom, you know, it's a lot of things that influence our health. And so biohacking is kind of, you know, I don't know, it's a whole thing. But anyways, CGMs have become one of those devices that are part of this whole biohacking group. And you might know people like the glucose goddess and all these different people that are just capitalizing on glucose and teaching people about it, which I think is great. But I also think it's going a little too far. However, the things that most people say are beneficial from CGMs, which to some extent I totally agree with, are they usually say it helps avoid extreme glucose spikes that research has linked to a higher risk of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and some cancers, maintain steady fuel levels throughout endurance athletic events if you're an athlete like a runner or a cyclist or something, and it can help avoid food that would interfere with ketosis if you're on like a very low carb or no carb diet. And so a lot of times people use them to try to get more information on how their body is doing for those different reasons and several others. Some people are just kind of trying to see like, you know, is this diet that I'm currently eating impairing my fat loss? Because a lot of people talk about like, oh, it's all your glucose spikes that are causing you to not lose fat. And there's truths and falses (laughs) to that whole statement. We'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. 
But if we wanted to go right into some of the pros and cons, here are some of the, I would say, let's say top four good things that can come from using a CGM. Okay, so number one, it is more accurate than some of the conventional blood sugar tests. So usually doctors or maybe at home use kind of fasting glucose or your HbA1c. Sometimes people just call it A1c, which shows your average blood sugar levels over the past three months. But neither shows how high your blood sugar rises after meal or how low it might drop from whatever lifestyle factors or habits you have. Maybe you're somebody who is intermittent fasting and you're somebody who is on the like border of diabetes, you're probably already dysregulated with your glucose or your blood sugar in general. And that can cause a bigger problem for, you know, avoiding diving into being a full-blown diabetic. So CGMs are kind of great because they're giving you real-time information on where your blood sugar is at and where you should be if you want to avoid swinging into a diabetic state. So to give you a little bit of context, if you were to do the prick test, you know, those little fun stab your finger and put the blood on the little stick and put it in the machine. That's what I've used a lot in the past for just my own fun nutrition experiments. But if you were to get a reading of anything less than 100 on a fasting blood sugar test, so you wake up in the morning, you haven't had food yet, that's pretty normal. If you wake up, you do that, and you're in 100 to 125, that's a little bit pre-diabetic. Or not a little bit, that's a lot of bit pre-diabetic, especially if you're in the upper 120s. 125 up on higher on two separate tests, like if you test it twice, then you are considered diabetic. That is too high of a fasted blood sugar state to be considered healthy. It would point towards insulin resistance, essentially. So CGMs can be useful for people who are kind of teetering in that pre-diabetic zone to check consistently every morning and see where their fasting blood sugar is, because that would give a lot of information of how they're doing, how the food they're eating or lifestyle they're living is influencing their fasting blood sugar. And that can really point towards whether or not you're probably going to become diabetic or if you can get it under control, essentially. And those levels I gave you are from the Mayo Clinic and the CDC. They're pretty standard. Usually the CDC would say for an A1C below 5.7% is normal and between 5.7 and 6.4% indicates you have prediabetes. 6.5% and higher indicates you have diabetes. So keep an eye on your annual blood testing. They should be always checking your A1C and such if you have a, a doctor, a regular PCP or whatever that can run a complete metabolic panel on you. You guys, you need to be getting that done annually. You can get that done through your insurance more often than not. That is something that usually is covered in a physical. If not, I would just pay the cash to get it done. Ask your doctor to please add it in. More than 50% of adults nowadays are undiagnosed pre-diabetic or diabetic right now. And that's scary. And it's, I believe, one in three adults have diabetes in general now. And so we are definitely a very sick state when it comes to our blood glucose. So this topic is very important. And I do see a place for CGMs. 
in regards to this application. But at the same time, we do have to think about like, how long should you actually use one? Do you need one for the rest of your life, especially if you're not diabetic? or whatnot. So we'll talk more about that soon as always. But I do want to kind of tell you guys a quick story about one of my clients who was a later diagnosed type one diabetic. She was diagnosed in her mid forties. She already had had two sons by that time. It was very odd. It's not common to become type one diabetic later in life. Uh, If you know anybody who's type one diabetic, usually you're born with it or you get it when you're still in your youth. And so it was kind of an interesting angle because now we're learning there's a lot more diabetics that are kind of in an almost autoimmune situation or not, maybe not kind of, they are. And so there's actually a bunch of different subcategories of type one. We're not going to talk about that right now because that's going to be an overwhelming episode. And honestly, a lot of the conversation today would probably be better if I taught you all the things about (laughs) blood glucose and all the ways that your body uses glucose and why and glycogen and yada, yada. But that's just going to be, that would be just a really (laughs) in-depth long episode that I just wouldn't want to bore you guys through because I know most people just want to know like what's the deal with continuous glucose monitors (laughs) but anyways this client and I we got to really observe and learn exactly how her meals before her workouts with me would impact so a little bit more context she was in her early 70s when we started training together and she had a goal to put on muscle And she, like a lot of people in that generation, really wanted to lose fat, even though she was so thin and frail, guys. (laughs) It was like, what? But that's common. You know, it happens. And I just am like, okay, sure. And then I proceed to help them put on muscle and just get healthier that way. But when we were watching her different CGM responses, it became really interesting to learn Like if she ate a banana at this time for this many minutes before our workout, her blood sugar would stay stable between the workout. If she didn't eat anything, her blood sugar would drop rapidly and she'd have to eat like a little candy. I probably would have given her or encouraged her to eat something different like grapes, you know, some things that naturally get into your blood system faster. But her doctors had always just had her eating little hard candies. And my grandfather, who a lot of you guys who have been listening for a while know that he had type 2 diabetes. He was also the type 2 that needed insulin. He would also carry around little hard candies for the same reason. So that must have just been some sort of standard advice from doctors, which I get. I mean, you can't just carry grapes in your pocket, right? But at the same time, didn't love it, you know, because it is not the best quality, but it's okay. And so we learned that oatmeal with bananas and some milk protein in it about 30 to 45 minutes before she worked out gave her the more stable blood sugar response, which was really interesting because sometimes what would happen is her body would ask for um, glucose through the workout. And we're just weightlifting, guys. We're not doing anything that's like crazy intense, but enough to stimulate muscle growth and kind of get a little sweat on. And then it would, it would kind of spike sometimes and then it would completely drop. Or if she ate, like when she ate that kind of oatmeal thing, it would actually be relatively balanced the whole way through. And sometimes though, like depending on how the night before went, because sometimes she would have wine and all that kind of stuff, her blood sugar would be really imbalanced throughout the entire morning and it would set off the rest of the day to be kind of chaotic. And so the CGM was the first time I got to see how in real time the body requires sugars and utilizes them when you're working out and how it reacts after you work out. So this can be really powerful information for a bunch of people who maybe don't know quite how the 
the composition of their meals is impacting them. And another thing too, on a similar story, I had another type one diabetic who has had it her entire life and she was in her mid twenties and we worked a lot together on her nutrition and she would follow what I like to call the rounded meals, but you know, it's a standard advice of having enough good quality protein every meal, like upwards of 25 to 30 grams every meal, good quality fats and good quality fiber and vegetables, you know, so carbs. So when she would watch her CGM, she screenshotted it for me once because she had just kind of a chaotic day where she didn't really pay attention to what she ate and her CGM just had her blood sugar all over the map. When she followed her rounded meals and had meal prepped, her blood sugar was stable the entire day, the entire day. And it was as simple as having rounded meals. So this is where macros come in. This is why I'm so passionate about teaching people macros. And I have a macros course coming out live that you can um, join. And it's a DIY self-paced course that is going to be available on my website. So definitely keep your eye on that if that's something you want to learn because it is hugely powerful stuff, guys. But she was showing me that and it was just really impressive to see with the CGM just how your nutrition can really impact you more than you think because blood sugar spikes and drops like are 100% connected to your mood. You know, I have so many clients, especially when they eat erratically and they tell me about it, they start the day with a big sugary coffee. They just are throwing back like just tons of sugar and caffeine to just trying to get their way through the day. And they are just moody all day long and they feel in a bad mood. It encourages inflammation, you know. So I can see for sure in these kind of instances where CGMs can be helpful. So that is number two on the pros list of how I can see CGMs being beneficial for teaching you how you respond to specific foods. And that is a really powerful tool when you can better understand that maybe a lot of your struggles with your mood or your energy throughout the day or your brain fog can absolutely be tied to the fact that you're eating is causing your blood sugar to just do this crazy roller coaster all day long. However, the caveat is blood sugar spikes in response to certain foods can be highly variable from person to person. Your genetic background, your lifestyle, you know, there's a lot of people who have a habit of walking after they eat. That's an amazing habit for managing your blood glucose spikes if you have the ability to do that. Not everybody has the routine where they can eat a meal and go walk for 15 minutes. If you can prioritize something like that because you're somebody who wants to get their blood sugar under better control, that is a really great tool that you can do that is really, you know, low barrier of entry to do and can really positively impact your blood sugar spikes. You don't necessarily need a CGM for that, but a CGM can be a good way for you to learn like in real time what your blood sugar does when you maybe eat a meal. It's like high in carbs and fat and moderate or low in protein, aka the standard meal that most of my clients are eating, when they, especially when they're not aware of rounding out their meals. But at the same time, same thing goes if you are somebody who is trying to figure out like, is the composition or the type of diet style you're eating or lifestyle you're living impacting you positively or negatively? Because you'll see it show up on the CGM. So it can definitely be useful to find out all of that information for you uniquely because it's, you know, real time of your blood sugar spikes. So some people 
will have very interesting findings, um, especially if their genetics play a, a role in it of how your body is reacting to something. So another pro, pro number three, is that these CGMs can totally work as a screening tool. So there may be a lot of people who don't realize that they're pre-diabetic. I know that for myself personally, when I was, uh, I think like 22, no, 21. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, 21, (laughs) sorry. 21, when I had started working at LA Fitness, when I had left the Michelin Dining Zone and went straight to the bottom of the fitness industry to start a new career, I was dealing with low blood sugar attacks and I had not realized it until it got so bad that literally one day when I got off shift, I had to run to this, that was in Starbucks, Whole Foods and I ran and got a limeade and I just like sat on the ground leaning up against the um, refrigerator and just like drank it in the middle of the store because I was so like I had cold sweats, my face went pale I felt like I was going to pass out. You know, those are some of the symptoms of low blood sugar. And like I was mentioning before, my grandfather has type 2 diabetic diabetes and a lot of the Caucasian side of my family, that was the Asian side, the Caucasian side of my family, unfortunately, has a lot of diabetics as well, including my biological mother and my grandmother and my grandfather on that side. All of them have diabetes type 2. And it scared the crap out of me because a lot of you know that I got into the wellness world because I was trying to help people not have to deal with losing loved ones or having a harder life with loved ones or themselves due to something that's completely preventable because diabetic zones are completely reversible and you can completely get out of those spaces through the power of food. And that's what's so amazing about food to me. And that's why I'm so passionate about nutrition. But for me, when I had that moment, I was like, what the heck? Like I was being very hyper aware of my food at the time. I was a little baby in the fitness industry. I was like, I'm doing all the right things. But when I look back at it, I realize I'm like, no, I wasn't. I was a stereotypical picture of health, but I was overtraining, under eating, highly stressed because I was always doing an insane amount of units every term in college. And I just had moved to a brand new place. I had a whole new thing. You know, there was just so much going on that was like such high stress. And cortisol, guys, actually really, really impacts your blood sugar as well. So let's take a quick second to talk about that because I think that's something that's a little underrated, especially for us females, as we live more stress-intensive lifestyles. Because I can see how it can be a really underrated influence on whether or not you get into that pre-diabetic zone or just a blood sugar dysregulated zone in general sooner than you'd expect and in a body that looks quote unquote healthy. And that's like one other little note is that like blood glucose issues can happen to anyone and they do happen to anyone. A lot of the times There's a, like, for example, there's a small study of non-elite endurance athletes. And according to the CGM readings, four of the 10 participants had pre-diabetic blood sugar levels. So they're endurance athletes. They're probably pretty lean looking, most likely probably skinny fat. And they probably have some imbalances in their, you know, how much food they ate and stuff. If I had to guess as a nutritionist, but with that said, there's a lot of people who just live these certain lifestyles that look a certain way. And you think that they're a certain way. However, they can still have basically pre-diabetic or diabetic blood sugar levels. And I actually remember learning in college about a young kid who was a athlete and he was completely fit, you know, healthy body weight. He wasn't super crazy lean, but he was quite lean. Like you could see all his abs and everything. And he was astonished by the fact that the fact that he ate so much food 
especially like a ton of um, fruit and pastas and stuff for his, you know, athletics. Everybody always told him that he's a young male. He just burns right through it. But unfortunately, his body was dysregulated in his blood sugar and it put him straight into diabetes. And so he became a diabetic and it kind of just like blew everyone in his family's mind because they're just like, what, how the heck you were so healthy. So it doesn't seem to really matter about that. Sometimes it does. It seems like it comes down to other lifestyle factors, including your cortisol management. So your stress management, as well as your meal composition, it does seem like those things matter a ton. So speaking of going back to the cortisol, where a lot of us ladies kind of get into a dangerous zone is when there's the presence of cortisol, it increases, you know, the availability of your blood glucose to the brain. So glucose is your brain's favorite energy system. When you are low on blood glucose, your brain is usually kind of like, you're a little dumb. (laughs) This happened to me when I've been testing out the uh, carnivore diet because there's a phase like in keto where your body is like searching for carbs and it's switching out of carbs as your main source of energy. And so you get into this little zone where your brain's like, Um, so that is definitely what happened to me. But so I can attest that blood glucose is the brain's favorite energy, but cortisol acts on the liver, muscle, adipose tissue, and pancreas. And so in the liver, when high cortisol levels are increasing, what's called gluconeogenesis. So basically neogenesis just means creating glucose molecules. It decreases your glycogen synthesis, which glycogen, for those who don't know, is found mainly in your liver and your muscle cells. And so your body accesses it for fuel because it's a collection of many glucose molecules and it's typically stored for later use. So essentially when cortisol is acting on your blood sugar and it's utilizing the blood sugar currently in your body, or in your bloodstream rather, glycogen gets decreased. So utilizing stored glucose decreases because it decreases glycogen synthesis. Hopefully that makes sense to you. So essentially your body is just using the sugar that you're consuming immediately, that's in your bloodstream immediately, and it's not accessing stored sugar which is where we can get into a position where essentially high cortisol can create very stubborn body fat. And this is something we see a ton, especially in belly fat, because especially with cortisol, and if you're somebody who's in a high estrogen state, so estrogen dominance, aka your estrogen is in higher proportions to your progesterone, those are two sex hormones that kind of are besties that kind of inverse each other and keep each other balanced. Nowadays, our modern lifestyle is estrogen dominant, A lot of us are estrogen dominant right now for a lot of different reasons, but this is a bad combination when you mix it with the cortisol, especially for somebody who has just erratic eating throughout the day and your blood sugar's all over the place and you're highly stressed and your cortisol is just accessing all that sugar that you're eating and it's asking for more, you get sugar cravings. And so you're just in this state of constant sugar, 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 sugar. You just want all the sugar. And that's a problem. And especially if you're somebody who's trying to either lose fat especially belly fat, or if you're somebody who's trying to just in general avoid gaining excess fat. So when people are using CGMs for monitoring that situation, where things go wrong is if they are not managing their stress, if they're not tracking their day-to-day stress. And if you're a overachiever like me, a lot of my clients are the same as me. We're recovering overachievers, <laughs> workaholics, whatever you want to call it. We underestimate, you know, how much cortisol we're spiking throughout the day because we're just stressed, 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 stressed. 
all the time and we don't realize it because we have these insane capacities for stress right so if you're if that resonates with you it's going to be even harder for you to know if you're in a position where your cortisol is just out of control as well because we just really don't want those excess high cortisol levels throughout your day paired with dysregulated blood sugar blood glucose because that's just going to be kind of a shitstorm for lack of better words of health problems, including, you know, just pro-inflammatory and pushing you closer towards diabetic zone, stubborn fat, you know, a whole bunch of different things, including certain organs getting dysregulated like your thyroid and such. So this is where CGMs could be a positive for you if you are somebody who deals with a lot of stress. It won't help you more though if you don't do anything active to manage that stress and change that story for yourself. Because I think a lot of people like to do a lot of these different devices and biohacking things, thinking that they can biohack their way outside of their crappy lifestyle. Now, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but like, like, listen to me for a sec, because it's really important to know that there's not, there's no amount of things that you can biohack your way around if you just simply do not take care of the foundations of your life. If you're not sleeping well enough, you're not hydrating properly. You're not managing your stress and taking times or periods where you get that R&R, where your body actually gets to rest and digest. And if you're not, you know, enjoying some things that are bringing you joy, literally, if you're not trying to nourish yourself with the best quality rounded food and meals as possible more often than not, you know, there's so many things that are just foundational that matter for good health and you cannot cold plunge your way through that. (laughs) Like, unfortunately, there's just some things that like, those are like sprinkle on top when you've got a perfect Sunday already. If your Sunday is like all melted and you forgot to mix in certain ingredients and there's like no sugar, (laughs) talking about blood glucose, like that's probably a weird (laughs) metaphor, but you know what I mean? Like something just just tastes off, it's melted, doesn't look cute. And you're trying to be like, okay, but I'm going to cold plunge. I'm going to take these crazy biohacker neurotropic supplements and I'm going to make sure that I'm taking all of these different devices and making sure I know all the data on my body. You know, like none of that means shit if you don't know how to take care of yourself on the foundations. So with that pep talk said, (laughs) I do want to make sure that you know that CGMs are not going to fix your lack of stress management. You have to manage your own stress and find out how to quote unquote hack that for yourself and CGM will not do it for you. They could open your eyes to it, especially if you see unusual blood glucose things, especially around spikes of stress throughout your day. But if you're somebody who wants to get more of their stress under control, 10 out of 10 recommend the Aura Ring over any sort of CGM. If you're going to make an investment, like CGMs are usually somewhere between 150 to 300 a month because most of the systems that you pay for, like NutriSense and such, charge you a monthly fee and for the device as well. You could get that single aura ring and start to manage your sleep quality, your stress levels, track your cycle. There's so many great things. I love my aura ring. I've had it for two, a little over two years now, and it has been so great. And I've gotten so many of my clients to join the club, especially all of my girlies who are super hustlers, super workaholics, you know, I guess we're calling it recovering workaholics. And it's just definitely a game changer and it's definitely worth the investment. And if you're comparing investments and devices, I definitely would go Aura Ring over CGMs. But CGMs are great, especially if you are somebody who is, you know, teetering on the line of pre-diabetic 
or you're somebody who is just trying to better understand how your individual lifestyle and meals are impacting you to try to avoid, you know, negative health things. So yes, pro number three is it could work as a screening tool, but there's definitely a lot of other tools out there available to help you screen for things. And I just wouldn't go overboard on having all the devices possible. (laughs) They should have, do they have a name for that? If, If they have a name, that's funny, like a modern term for people who biohack the crap out of their life with a ton of devices. I want to know. Somebody let me know. All right. The final pro number four is it can help improve your adherence to either an eating style or a nutritional intervention, which if you don't know the difference, a nutritional intervention is something that you would use to be more hardcore on changing a trajectory of your health. So for example, the easiest one that I would use for this is I do tend to put type two diabetic clients, of course, with the approval of their physician on keto because keto is a proven, very relatively simple way to reverse type two diabetes and get you off metformin and all those meds. Um, I've had several clients successfully do it. Their practitioners are always impressed and they're always like really glad because, you know, if you have a good practitioner, they shouldn't want you to be on meds all the time, but they do use CGMs to just monitor and make sure that everything's tracking properly. But you can use a nutritional intervention such as keto to quickly and effectively get yourself out of that diabetic zone. Kind of makes a little sense because a lot of the reason a lot of people have blood sugar dysregulation is because the standard American diet is very carb heavy and very processed sugar heavy. So we tend to remove those food items and people's blood sugar goes under control. Go figure. (laughs) But sometimes people require having something to adhere to, to stay on track with that. So that's where I personally do encourage certain categories of clients to consider things like keto or carnivore. If they are somebody who needs to get that under control, doesn't want to be on meds, wants to have a little bit more, you know, empowerment around their health after getting a diagnosis like that. So that is where you can definitely get Some benefits from a CGM is if you're trying to reinforce those positive behaviors by increasing awareness of the less ideal food choices or lifestyle choices, you know, like days where you didn't eat very well or much at all and you didn't move very much, you're probably going to have less balance of your blood sugar. Whereas if you have a more rounded meal or, for example, you have your fully keto meal or whatnot and you do get a good walk-in or something throughout the day, you're probably going to have more positive blood sugar and it's going to relay that to you by seeing that data so that you can stay more adhered to that protocol and it can help you stay a little bit more motivated. Okay, now let's get a little bit into the cons. (laughs) So the one that I want to start off with is that blood sugar fluctuations are 100% normal. It is not a life or death sentence just because your blood sugar is spiking high and dipping really low. Even if it goes into the zones that are outside quote unquote normal for short periods, that's very normal and fine. It's it's totally common for healthy people. And if you're constantly monitoring your blood sugar, you might, like with a CGM, you may like unnecessarily worry about these things and it can cause you to have more stress about the situations and possibly misinterpret your reactions based off of your own possibly limited knowledge about what that could mean and if that is actually all that bad or not for your unique body. So sometimes 
too much data is a bad thing. Um, but it is important to know, like your blood sugar is supposed to fluctuate. You know, it's not always supposed to stay super balanced. It will stay a lot more balanced. You won't have as many highs and lows, especially if you do have rounded out macronutrient balanced meals. But at the same time, it is very normal to have fluctuations. So I would say that that's definitely a con that I have observed, especially from clients that are non-diabetics that um, use CGMs because they just freak out about everything. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, some of that is normal. And uh, let's be actionable about this, not just freaking out and being like, I can't eat anything, you know? <laughs> no, that's not right. Which I guess, you know, can come into con number two, that CGMs could perpetuate fear-mongering around carbohydrates. And, uh, you know, it's like I said earlier, carbohydrates are glucose. Glucose is the quickest energy for your brain and just your body in general. It's immediately going to influence your blood sugar far faster and more significantly than dietary fats and protein sources, especially complete protein sources. I'm not talking about like tofu or something like that. <laughs> um, so essentially, what you're going to see is that you're not getting the same results from when you have a f dietary fatty item like an avocado or maybe some nuts, you know, as much as you just ate a handful of strawberries. And so you might start to worry that, oh no, the strawberries are bad for me because my blood sugar spiked with it. Not true. Like I said before, very normal for your blood sugar to, to fluctuate. You can get less of a significant spike if you pair your strawberries with the nuts and you have those together, or you pair it with a protein, you blend them into a like protein shake, you know, that is a good way to get a typically better blood sugar response if you're worried about significant peaks and valleys. But again, can be very normal, pretty standard when you're eating meal in general. If you're getting a lot of those peaks and valleys in between meals, it usually points towards you not eating enough throughout your day, your meal not being substantial enough, or you know, maybe you're on the brink of insulin resistance. There could be other issues going on. There's a lot of different reasons it could happen, but you do usually see blood sugar move like that, especially if you do like a workout in between meals and things like that. That can also influence your blood sugar. So another con is that how you probably influence or trigger obsessive thoughts and behaviors around this feedback. So that is really, really important for you guys to know is that these, if you have a unhealthy relationship with food, maybe you have a history of eating disorder or something like that, it can be worse for you to be this tuned into your blood sugar, especially if you don't really know what you're interpreting. And if you're somebody who's not in a risky zone, like you're not pre-diabetic, you're not diabetic, and you're just kind of hyper controlling your data that's surrounding food, it could almost push you into disordered eating thoughts and patterns, which is really serious. And it's a very big topic that I wanted to bring up today because it is something that is a huge pitfall of CGMs. Um, I tend to see some people who trend towards the most like mm, biohacky devices and such are people who have kind of obsessive behavioral tendencies and that can become really risky. So if you're somebody who's like that, I would just really avoid CGMs. You don't really need them. You know, you could just get a blood sugar monitor, like a standard prick yourself type, check your blood sugar in the mornings and let it go. I personally did a study on myself um, several years ago when I was still living up in Portland, where I <laughs> did the prick method and tested myself with various different situations. And this was kind of fun for me because I was really curious to see like how my blood sugar 
would differ at a fasted state, um, depending on different things that I did the night before. And this came about for me when intermittent fasting started to become like really popular to all types, you know, not just the biohacky people. <laughs> um, that was roughly around 2016, 2017, 2018. That's when it started to hit the mainstream media the hardest. And unfortunately, like a lot of the data that was pooled for all these, you know, lofty claims that IF was pushing around was not based off of any data on studies for females because they actually hadn't done hardly any studies utilizing females for intermittent fasting. So for many, many, many years, we were just going off of claims that were true for males, but were not true for females. And nowadays we do have quite a bit more studies behind females. That's why they have different styles of intermittent fasting, like crescendo style and stuff like that, that work better with female hormones and females' bodies' needs because female bodies do need different things than male bodies. And so that is something that was really interesting to me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this a little step further and kind of test my blood sugar and see how I do when I'm fasted. I was doing the 16-8 protocol. Some days it was more of like a 14-10 and either of those protocols are totally you know, intermittent fasting. Um, I'm not going to talk about intermittent fasting. I had an intermittent fasting episode from last season. So go check that out if you want to learn more. But for my personal experience, the things that were notable, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but the most notable things was that my fasting glucose was the lowest when I had my rounded meals the night before. And I had strength training the day before it was a little bit higher, like in the eighties or low nineties when I didn't strength train and ate my usual you know, carbs, fat, protein in every meal. And then on days where I did strength train, it was even closer to like the 80s to 70s. One day was like a 79, which is kind of a little too low. I wasn't the biggest fan of that. But um, then my fasting glucose was higher whenever I ate like a late night dessert or something and was outside of my eating windows a bit. But the one that was really especially impacting my blood sugar in the morning was alcohol. Even if I had one glass of wine at night, the next morning my blood sugar was always over the 100 zone, always, no matter what. And so I tested it like several days apart where my blood sugar was back down to the 80s, 90s in the morning and then I would have a cocktail or something like that out with friends on the weekend and I'd test it the next morning and it was in the hundreds, like 110, 109. And I was like, wow, this is really insightful because now I know that alcohol negatively impacts my blood glucose for longer than I expect. So the way that it takes it even further is using my aura ring and all my clients have observed this for themselves, not just me, alcohol insanely ruins your sleep. <laughs> you really, you hardly ever get deep sleep when you're in alcohol. And that doesn't mean that you just feel like you got a really good night of sleep. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, I like nightcaps and yada, yada. I get, I can only sleep when I have alcohol. Yeah. But the quality of your sleep actually sucks. You don't actually get into deep sleep and deep sleep is where you get into that rest and digest that really restorative sleep comes from your deep sleep. And if you're not getting that because you drink alcohol consistently, or you've had it every couple nights or so, you're getting really crappy recovery and it's going to kind of steamroll the rest of your health markers, unfortunately, especially over time. And in a way, in an interesting way, it also negatively impacts your blood sugar levels. It keeps your heart rate up higher and having a higher heart rate while you're sleeping is going to keep you out of that deep sleep zone because you have to get into that really low, relaxed heart rate zone to fully get into deep sleep. And so since alcohol keeps your heart rate high because your body's trying to process out, process out the toxin and turn alcohol into basically ethanol, alcohol, sugar, and it gets into your bloodstream, it hangs out there too long and yada, yada. 
very interesting, fascinating. Hopefully you can take that and kind of apply it to your own life and think about drinking a little differently, especially if you're having a reason where you just have stubborn fat or your mood is all over the place, you're anxious, you're depressed. You know, there's a lot of different things that alcohol does because of the way it impacts our body negatively. So it's just something to be aware of. It's not something that you should necessarily just, I'm not going to be like, you need to abstain from alcohol because even I don't fully, but I do like, I've cut it back to literally one or two drinks a month now. And that's like big because it kind of was a weekend thing. And I was like, you know what? This is not doing me good in general. I need to really cut back on this. So I would definitely encourage you guys to consider that if you have a lot of issues with either your blood sugar, your stress levels, your sleep quality, you know, all of those go hand in hand. So don't take it lightly. I know that it's so common to just do that nowadays, but unfortunately it is just really not good for you for even into your blood glucose and your CGM would tell you that as well. Um, and so those were the most interesting things that I kind of pulled from testing my blood glucose like fasting every morning, but your CGM can kind of tell you a lot of that stuff as well. So, um, however, it could make you in a way where you're a little too controlly over it, make your hyper-focused on it and it could become a problem. So I would really advise for anybody who has tendencies towards addictive behaviors or, um, again, eating disorder challenges, I would just steer clear from CGMs. All right, guys, so to wrap this up, my overall take is if you're somebody who's maybe in a pre-diabetic zone, you have a genetic history of diabetics in your family, you lead a less healthy lifestyle historically with maybe your food choices or something, and you're trying to do better, CGMs could be a really powerful tool for you. I would say you wouldn't really want to use them for longer than maybe three months to kind of get a good picture of what is going on, what is like, what is the current state, what is when you're making health habit changes look like. And then how can you maintain that long-term? 90 days is a pretty good cycle to see that. So I would suggest that you don't necessarily need to sign up to NutriSense or any of those for like a year. You know, if anything, three months to six months is a good zone, especially if you're somebody who's trying to use it for preventative reasons. Again, you can only use it for like a month or two months if you're just trying to test and learn how different foods impact you and how different, you know, activity after certain foods, how your body responds to that. So, you know, learn feedback because overall guys, I think data is really just important for interpreting and becoming mindful. It's just like weighing yourself on the scale. It's not necessarily anything to do emotionally. It shouldn't, unfortunately it mostly does for a lot of us, but it's just feedback of, are you trending upwards in your, your weight. Okay. Something in your lifestyle is causing you to be in a surplus. You know, if you don't want to keep trending upward, then maybe you need to become mindful about what you're eating or how much you're moving. You know, and the same goes opposite. Maybe you're trying to be specific about losing weight and you're seeing the trail, the scale trend down. That's data that tells you something's working um, for that zone. Or maybe you're somebody who wants to gain weight and you need to, and the data is showing you that you're trending upward and it is working. <laughs> you know, it goes all these different directions, but that's just an example for you that same thing goes with CGMs. They are just data for you to learn how to eat better, take better care of yourself and more. So if I were to leave you with something, it would be, that is a great tool for that. It is not a great tool if you're somebody who is prone to becoming obsessive or concerned about, you know, what foods do what, and you don't really understand blood glucose in general, and you're just kind of following these charts and you're freaking out, you know, or if you're somebody who just doesn't have $200 a month to waste on monitoring your blood sugar, but you know, 
your friend is doing it and this person said to do it. So you're like, I just got to do it with everybody else. You know, I would say probably don't do it <laughs> again. I would invest in something different. Um, like a, maybe a whoop band or a aura ring or something. If you're trying to get a better handle around your overall health habits, but CGMs are only going to just be one part of the picture for you. And they can be kind of a pain in the butt. There's times where they can just fall off. Like one of my clients can't use her sauna when she's wearing it because the readings go all over the place when she's, when it heats up, you know, um, and you just can't just take it off and put it back on. Like you have to put it on and leave it until it starts to naturally detach from your skin. So there's a lot of different reasons why they're not that ideal. And so if you're not in a zone where like you need to learn your blood sugar, I think they're kind of useless. So, and they might just, you know, instill thought patterns that are not great in general. Anyways, all right, Rebel, that's it for today's episode. Share this episode with anyone who might be curious about CGMs or maybe they're using it. They don't really know if they should be continuing to use it or, you know, a multitude of reasons, you know, there's a whole bunch of different reasons people are talking about CGMs right now. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and I would love for you to give us a five-star rating if you are enjoying it. Help share our podcast. Again, if you want to share on your stories on Instagram, make sure I can see it, that it's not a private post and uh, you'll be entered in to win our $75 Amazon gift card giveaway and CBK hat. So celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Hey Rebel, I just want to say a huge thank you for tuning in and sharing this space with us. Before we sign off, I've got some exciting ways for you to stay connected and to take your wellness journey even further with me. First up, if you haven't already, make sure to swing by coachkales.com and sign up for our newsletter. It's your go-to source for the latest episodes, exclusive content, and a whole lot more wellness goodness delivered straight to your inbox. Check out the show notes for those high quality tips on nutrition, fitness, and just overall well-being. Follow us on Instagram at Rebel Wellness Podcast and my flagship page at Kaylee Loren. We're all about building a community where we can share, inspire, and grow together. So I would love to see you there. Now, if you're looking to reset and realign after a vacation, a hectic work season, or just because you feel like it's time for a healthful cleanse, I've got something super special for you and it's 100% free. Head over to stand.store backslash kales and download my free realignment detox guide. You can also find it at coachkale.com in the freebies section. I'm sharing my unique holistic approach to help you cut back inflammation, improve your skin, and even shed some excess weight with this guide. So trust me, you're going to love it. Go download it for free now. But last but not certainly least, if you've got a burning health question you'd like answered on the show, or if you're curious about my one-on-one -on -one remote coaching or group courses, don't hesitate to visit my website and reach out to me there or hello at kayleeloren.com is my best email for contacting me. I am here to support you on your journey to wellness, so do not feel afraid to reach out. All right, Rebel, catch you on the next episode.